Hi, I'm Otis Williams of The Temptations, and I'm listening to Roger's music tour. Let's rock. Man, how are you, Mr. Williams? Well, God keep waking me up every morning, so I can't complain. <laughs> um, my wife and I met you about a year ago in Dallas, and I'm the one that um, started to cry. And we've told this story a thousand times since. And you said you've made a lot of women cry, but I'm the first man that you think you've ever made cry. So, um, so thank you for for spending time with me. And I know that you've got um, a lot going on, and I'm, I'm grateful for Duke for putting this together. So. The, the short of it is I, um, I've grown up, I'm 42 years old and I've been, uh, music has been in my heartbeat and my blood since I was a child and I can't sing, I can't dance, I can't write songs, I can't play an instrument and I feel like my instrument is my heart and I've gravitated towards everything from Motown to classical music um, and and truly meeting you and Duke last year, other than having my daughter, it, it was one of the highlights of my entire life. And, and, and so the goal of this okay. is um, to share the story of you and, and to go and, you know, maybe share some stuff that has never been shared and get this in front of people. So, yeah, okay. so the, the floor is yours. I, I mean, I, I was not able to go and, and spend the time that I wanted to kind of going through this, but I know your story. I know you're a Texan. I know that you're a music icon and that you've been a part of um, of everything from uh, helping with the civil rights movement to helping uh, with, you know, making music more mainstream. And so, uh, you know, the questions I want to ask really are the ones that maybe have never been asked to you, whether it's, you know, what's the, you know, well, well, so what, what's your first memory of music? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I know that you've had that asked to you before, but what's the first thing you can think of that, that made you know that you had a gift that was, was bigger than yourself? Well, I didn't learn about that until I moved to Detroit, but my first reference to music was when I was in Texarkana, Texas, and I was raised by two wonderful grandmothers. And grandmothers, uh, they don't listen to all that rock and roll stuff back then. So I was steeped on gospel, you know, um, five heart, I mean, the five um, uh, Dixie Hummingbirds, Swan Silvertones, uh, you know, groups of Betty Oak, and Mahalia Jackson. Claire Ward and, uh, uh, and her singers. So I was, you know, raised up with that until I moved to Detroit. And uh, they brought me to Detroit when 19, I think about 51, 52. And at that time, that's when rock and roll was just beginning to, you know, bust open. And so when you start hearing Chuck Berry and the Little Richards and uh, Hank Ballard and the Moon, um, uh, Midnighters and Elvis Presley, and the very embryonic stage of uh, the music. Uh, I was very enthused because I had heard of that down in Texas. And, uh, and they started having rock and roll shows at the Fox Theater in Detroit. And when I went to see a big rock and roll show, uh, I was about 15 years old. And I saw Frankie Lyman and the Teenagers, the Cadillacs, uh, Jimmy Johnson, and a whole lot of notables, uh, the Nightcaps, you know. And the Fox Theater, like I've always said, is the second largest indoor theater in America. Uh, Radio City is the, is the largest. To see about four to 5,000 people going crazy over what five guys is doing down on, uh, on the stage at the Fox Theater, I was impressed. And uh, just to see that they had the power to have 5,000 people going crazy in what they were doing. And I said, and uh, as time and fate would have it, uh, I started... Uh, 
moving around in Detroit and formulating their group. <clears throat> and being at the right place at the right time was the uh, most uh, rewarding time because we moved to the west side of Detroit in 1959 or 60, just as, uh, no, 1955 really, but just as uh, Barry was starting Motown Records. And uh, I had a group then, you know, we were called uh, uh, many different uh, names, uh, the El Domingos. And then we were calling ourselves The Distance. And we had signed with a label, uh, Johnny May Matthews, she had a label called Northern Records. And we signed, signed with her. And uh, she released the record on us, and it did very well. Uh, to the point that Mr. Gordon was very impressed with it, that uh, he went and uh, uh, he went to uh, he went with the Miracles to St. Stephen's Community Center in Detroit, and my group, the uh, Otis Williams and the Distance, we had just got off the stage about two or three different times because record that we had out at that time was so popular that they loved it, so they kept calling us back. And as we were on stage, I looked out into the audience and I saw. Uh, Smoke and the Miracles coming in, and I said, wow, that's Smoke and the Miracles. And they had uh, shop around and got a job at that time. And uh, so when we finally came off, because they kept calling my group back two to three different times, but they finally uh, uh, let us off, and then it was time for Smoke and the Miracles to come on. And I'm standing there saying, wow, that's Smoke and the Miracles. And they had shop around, which was huge at the time. And just so happened as fate would have it, Mr. Gordy was standing next to me, and he said, uh, I like that record you guys have out. Uh, should you leave my own record card? And he gave me his card. And as fate would have it, uh, we became very disenchanted with uh, Johnny Mae Matthews. And we left her, and I called Mr. Gordy and told him that we were no longer with the label that we were with. And he said, well, great, come on over here to Motown and see a guy by the name of Mickey Stevens. And when I came there, and Mickey Stevens was the A&R man uh, for Motown at the time. And uh, we were down in the basement of Motown singing some of our earlier recordings. And Mickey was very impressed. He said, oh, Mr. Gordy gonna love you guys. So, so, you know, we had that rich, thick wall-like harmony. And that was 1961 when we signed with Motown. And, we were there all the way up to, you know, Motown faded on out. What, what do you think music has evolved to? Like, do you, do you feel like your impact set the stage for the decades to come? And, you know, when, when did you think that it started to kind of change differently? Where I, I think that I was listening to Boys to Men today and, I, and Jodeci and groups that, you know, the, the sound of soul and R&B has, has kind of drifted away a little bit. What, what do you think the reason for that was? Well, one thing I've learned about uh, life and being in yeah. uh, the business, the one thing that's constant in life is change. And the temptations in Motown has been able to adapt to whatever the change has become. You know, and uh, so, you know, that is a constant, is, is, you know, to be able to understand that. I listen to today's music and, you know, I don't try and knock nobody's, uh, you know, dream. Yeah. But a lot of stuff that I hear on the radio, I'm not depressed. I mean, we we have kind of diluted, you know, and I don't want people to understand this and that. Now, I ain't, I'm not trying to rain on anybody's parade, but when I hear songs about sexual, very overtly, yeah. it makes me wonder where we are as a people. You know, uh, I think quality of music will outlast all that. You know, and I'm not just uh, isolating Motown, because Motown, that's all Motown is known for. Yeah. 
classic uh, music. That's why it's still so loved today. But yeah, I understand that people are going to do their own thing. But like I said, it makes me wonder where we are as a society when I hear the cussing and baby, I'm going to do this to you and then Bob Bam. You know, but hey, you know, uh, people are going to do what they have to do. But it's a shame that we have uh, accepted that kind of music. I never will forget, we used to do, whether we still do it, a place up in um, <coughs> Massachusetts. And I won't mention the group's name because they're friends of mine. But this guy came and uh, he had his family, his wife and two kids. And when the guys were introducing one another, one of them said something that I said, oh, you don't say that, man, please. And the guy who stood there as they were getting ready to come down the aisle, mm. he said, oh, one of those kind of acts, huh? You know, so, uh, yeah. But, you know, like I always tell people, the one thing that's constant in life is change. And uh, I'm just glad that we have stayed the course for what the Temptations and Motown has always been about. You know, and that's always been making great music that have withstood the test of time. Because when we do My Girl and Just My Imagination Can't Get Next to You, you know, they act like it's a brand new record because people just yeah. go crazy over them. Yeah, and, and that's why I'm doing this is that, you know, I, I again, you, you've done everything from a musical to making the Hall of Fame to having a movie and having obviously hit after hit after hit. But I feel a calling to go and make sure that the torch is passed to, the, to my children's generations and making sure that they know the importance of the temptations, you know, outside of music and, and with yeah, music yeah. And, and with music. What, what does music mean to you? If you had to go and describe the power of music, whether, you know, the world cannot agree on religion or politics or maybe even sports. But when, you know, the temps come on, everybody comes together. And, and how would you go describe the power and the healing of power of music? Well, the power of music is when you can touch the heart and head. That's the key. You know, uh, when you can bring out songs that, look, we were out a few years ago, and uh, Derek, my road manager, said, Otis, I want you to see this. So I came to where Derek wanted me to see And this was a father. And he had his, I think his little boy was about four years old. And he was playing with his cars. But you know what he was singing? I've got sunshine. He was doing it in a baby tone. And I would say, wow. And the father said, I'm teaching my son great music now. You know, so we can, when you can reach way back that far, that young, and let it transcend all the way to today, uh, that's a very important thing. So uh, and then my play is doing very good all over. It's getting ready to open up uh, in England. I've, I've, seen, it, I've seen it seven a different times, time, including when you were there. And I went to New York City yeah. by myself opening week. I've seen it seven different times. Um, so yeah, I, and my big ass, I'm ah. six foot six. So sitting in a, okay. in a theater in New York city, seven, seven times is not comfortable, but completely worth it. So I know. Yeah. I'm six yeah, two and well. I, was feel, uh, I felt like I'm in a little crap spot, but, uh, yeah, we're getting ready to open up in England, uh, in April or the end of March. And it'll be in, uh, London, wow. England for all the way up to, uh, December and then go all through England, and uh, they're talking about from there, yeah. uh, going to Australia and various parts of the, the world. You know, so it just shows you the power of Motown for being true to what Motown is known for, making quality music that has transcended. Uh, we've been uh, uh, in the business 60 years, 61 years as of this year. And we signed with Motown in 60, uh, 1960. So, uh, you know, it's just great to be accepted. You know, that's why the tops and us, we've been working together off and on during the 60s. Yeah. Uh, 
Okay, um, Motown 25, uh, the Tops and us have been working together fluently from 1985, I think that's when it was, 86 there about, all the way to as I'm sitting here talking to you. So it's a true testament about the greatness of the music that the Motown uh, um, company has, you know, uh, stayed true to and uh, still love today.